37 chapters that will be at the end of this night. 37 chapters of people trying to tell Job what's his problem. Guess who gets to speak in chapter 38? God. When God talks, people shut up. Or they should. As a kid, I was fascinated with thunderstorms. In fact, I was in insane. Intense rain, lightning strikes, the reverberating thunder that followed, and anything else to do with weather. I was enamored with it. In fact, if I could have been a storm chaser back in my day, I would have. I remember storms that I was either in or I was in the close proximity being so strong that fascination quickly turned to concern. One of those occasions, I was driving on Interstate 44 between Joplin, Missouri and Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dan Varney knows where that's at. As I was driving down the highway, rain was coming down in sheets, and the rain appeared to be falling sideways, indicating tremendous wind. On the right-hand side of the road, rain was going toward the trunk of the car. On the left-hand side, the driver's side, it was going toward the hood of the car. Now, y'all think about that just for a minute. I was in the eye of the storm. I was in the eye of the tornado. And I thought, this is strange, because right in the middle of that, it was completely still. As quickly as that tornadic, a tornadic, I don't know how to say it, wind came down, that cyclone came down and encompassed my car, encompassed a whole big area, because it looked like the Lord had put lighting, lighting in that spot so I could see his majesty. I had other people in the car, and they were all sound asleep. And I thought, this is a strange thing. It was as if the Lord had his hand on me, and he was giving me a sense of his presence. As quickly as the storm came, the storm seemed to lift, and then there was a complete, utter quietness. In most tornadoes, there is an eerie calmness before the storm, and guess what there is after the storm? There's a relief calmness that follows at the conclusion of most storms. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. I want to say that again. Sometimes he lets the storm rage, but yet he calms his child. In any event, each storm will go, come and go. I can't control the elements of the storm, but I can choose to allow the storm maker to calm my fears. Everybody got that? Psalm 46.10 says it so beautifully. Cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving. Anybody ever felt like they just were hitting their head against the wall and they were striving and they were doing everything they could to try to get out of it, but it was not doing a bit of good. And the minute you release the handle off the wheel of the car, God takes it. 
In the original Hebrew language, cease striving indicates giving up by letting our hands down. A lot of times we want to fight before we have a reason to fight. I do want to do that with Dan Varney a lot. Pick on Dan tonight. Chapter 37, we're there. We're going to hit it. We're going to hit it hard. We're going to hit it so good, Elihu won't even know what happened. So the, the name of the, 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 the kind of the, what I saw in several different chapters, other than uh, Job 37, is the voice of the Lord in the storm. Can you give us a little bit of a demonstration of what a storm is like? If you get in a boat and that lightning hits the water like that, you are going to be scared stiff. Because water is not the place to be when there's lightning. I got some stats. And before I read the chapter, I wanted to give you a couple of stats about lightning. Did you know that over 1,200 times a year, there are tornadoes across the country? And there's about three states. Deborah and I came from one of those states. You remember where Dorothy is? She's still flying somewhere. We came from Kansas, and it's one of those bad states. Oklahoma, part of Texas, Kansas, that whole strip through there is called Tornado Alley. And out of those 1,200, majority of them happen in that area. There's, there's tornadoes all over the country, but a single bolt of lightning, guys, is around 50,000 degrees. That'd fry you a little bit, wouldn't it? Uh, five times hotter than the surface of the sun. No one ever gets hit by a direct bolt of lightning or they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be much evidence of them here. But, you know, there's a, there's a couple of golfers. Uh, Lee Trevino, he's been hit by lightning a bunch. And he lived. He's older than dirt now. But lightning hadn't hit him hard enough yet directly enough to say he, God's done with him. I think there's something in that. If you get hit by lightning and you refuse to serve the, the risen Savior, you got a problem. Because you're still here, you got something he wants to talk to you about. Are you listening? Anybody else been in a storm? I've been in a number of tornadoes that have come close. The same town I just mentioned, Joplin, Missouri, a number of years ago, 10 years ago, Deb? Uh, Joplin was a town of 40,000 people, approximately. And in a matter of a few minutes, about half the town was gone. And luckily, a lot of folks weren't killed. There was a graduation that night, and it, it took a lot of the graduating class to instant death. Storms are not to be played with. They're serious. God is serious in the storm, but he's also serious through the storm, and he is willing to hold your hand and hold you tightly, tether you so lightly, delightfully, that you will be amazed 
at the end of that, you better praise him because he brought you through that storm. And I'm not just talking about thunder and lightning storms. I'm talking about the storms of life. How many times when you're going through a storm, we talked about this in prayer tonight, how many times in, in going through a storm of life do you sit there and say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on right now, but I know you're in control. Can I get a hand? How many times have you asked the Lord, take this, Lord, I can't handle this. He's willing to do it if we'll allow it. See, the problem is we have this humility thing going on. Humble, humble, well, how do you even say the word humble sometimes, right? How do you say the word, I'm releasing it to you, Lord. I, I don't understand it, but I know you understand it much better because you really gave me the humility that I do have, if I have any at all. And I want to praise you for that humility so I can give you more. See, the more you go into the Lord, you push into him, and you just say, Lord, I know you're, I, I want to serve you and you only. I don't want to let all these other devices, these, all these other things in life control who I'm serving. I want to serve you, Lord, because I know at the end of the day, even if that storm takes me, I'm still with you. There's something beautiful about that. Let's go to Scripture real quick. <laughs> We're starting Scripture now. Psalm 37. And uh, I've got a couple of different things I want to do with this. Uh, as I was reading the different scriptures, it came to mind that um, there's, a, there's a way that uh, Job's friends really kind of, uh, really they talked to him like he was stupid. They talked to him like he was, he didn't really have it together. Well, I want to tell you one thing, guys. Job had a lot together. Let's read, starting in verse 1. And this other thing says, Elihu says God is in the back of the storm. Elihu had something right. Let's see here. At this also my heart trembles and leaps from its place. Listen closely to the thunder of his voice. The thunder of his voice. And the rumbling that comes or goes out of, from his mouth. Verse 3, under the whole heaven, he lets it loose and his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, a voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice. And he does not restrain the lightnings when his voice is heard. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which he cannot comprehend. For the snow, he says, fall on the earth. And to the downpour of the rain, be strong. He seals the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Verse 8, then the beast goes into its lair and remains in its den. Out of the south comes the storm, and out of the north the cold. From the breath of God, ice is made, and the expanse of the waters is frozen. Also, with moisture, he loads the thick cloud. 
He disperses the cloud of his lightning. Verse 12. It changes direction, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands it. I want to just stop there just for a second. He commands it, whatever he chooses to do with it, whether it's here or there or in the midst of you, he's still with you. Verse 13, whether for correction or for his world or for loving kindness, he causes it to happen. Verse 14, listen to this, O Job. Stand and consider the wonders of God. He's telling Job to look at the wonders that God has in your, right in front of you. Do you know how God establishes them and makes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know about the layers of the thick clouds, the wonders of one perfect in knowledge? 17. You whose garments are hot, when the land is still because of the south wind, can you, with him, spread out the skies, strong as a molten mirror, Teach us about what we shall say to him. We cannot arrange our case because of darkness. Shall it be told him that I would speak? Or should a man say that he would be swallowed up? Verse 21. Now men do not see the light which is bright in the skies, but the wind has passed and cleared them. Out of the north comes golden splendor. Around God is awesome majesty. The Almighty, we cannot find him. He is exalted in power, and he will not do violence to justice and abundant righteousness. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise of heart. I want you to think about those, that scripture for a moment. And in so doing... I want to give you a couple more facts about lightning. The irrational fear of lightning is known as karanaopia, a, 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 a phobia, a karanaophobia. Yeah, that's it. There are two types of lightning, negative strikes and positive strikes. Positive strikes are five more times powerful than negative strikes. The odds of being struck by lightning. Well, uh, Lee Trevino, he can mark a few off his list because he's, uh, it's always funny to me when I hear someone say, well, I've been struck before, I won't be struck again because it doesn't strike twice in the same spot. Well, the Empire State, State Building in New York is struck 24 times a year, and once it was struck eight times in 24 minutes. So God distinctly knows where that lightning strike is going to take place. And if he wants it to strike there 1,200 times a year, he can do it. An average instant of lightning lasts about a quarter of a second and can hit, consist of three to four strikes. If you're in a lightning storm and you're, it hits close, it seems like it lasts a day. It lasts a quarter of a second. 
energy contained from a single light bulb or lightning strike can power a 100-watt light bulb for 90 days. The voice of the Lord in the storm. So we just read about Job 37. We're going to jump to Psalm 29 now. Can you jump there with me real quick? Because this is a this is a parallel scripture, if you want to call it that. This is this is just more evidence of how good our Lord and Savior is. And how good He is in a storm. Everybody there? So this is Psalm 29. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. Here's where it gets good. It's all good, but. Verse 3. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful, powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf. Woo! And Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says, Glory! The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Praise the Lord. Isn't that right, Bert? Praise the Lord. Jump over to Psalm 33 real quick. I'm just going to read a few scriptures out of here, so I won't read the whole chapter. Although, it's a good one. Praise to the creator and preserver. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Stop, think, reflect. Think about that just for a second. At his command, everything was created. And everything that was in that creation was created. Everything that he had to do with that creation was created. He said it, it did it. Don't don't outguess that. Don't outthink that. Don't even think that you can ever understand that completely. I can't. Of course, my mind... Not near as big as some of you guys in here, but whoo, what little I got, I want to praise him, right? I look at some of you guys who have been loyal customers for a lot of years, and you are spot on knowing where you get your strength from. If I ask anybody who's been around for a while, one of my favorites right now, though, is Lori. Lori, because she's kind of a newbie and, and, and a believer, and she's so, she's so excited about this, this walk, this talk, this uh, thing. Everything, everything is just 
Let me have, let, yeah, yeah. Let me have a little bit. Let me have a little bit more of that. Let me have a little bit. Let me just rub it off on me so I'll, I'll stay contagious. I want I want to be contagious, right? That's that's the way. I, that's the when you when you feel a little bit down, just get around somebody who you want to be contagious with. Not not you know spread anything, but get the Lord. Just just jump on him, okay? Verse nine of that same chapter. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Woo! I don't know, guys. I'm getting excited up here. Going over to verse. Uh, woo! Now I want you to go to thir- verse thirteen in that same chapter. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from his dwelling place. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. There's not a single time he's not looking at everybody that's on the earth. I don't know about you, but that says that that's a lot more I can rely on that than I can even my closest bestest. There's some security in knowing that the Lord has a watchful eye over your worst nightmare. There's something beautiful about in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, the Holy Spirit is still trying to get your attention, trying to, trying to soothe you, trying to remind you that take a deep breath and know that I am God. We're going to go back to Job 37 now. Verses 1 through 5. I'm not going to read the scripture again. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I think is cool about this scripture. So in verse 1 through 5, author says that, Hear attentively the thunder of his voice. Elihu felt that Job needed a good dose of the greatness of God. Isn't that interesting? Job felt that or excuse me, Elihu felt that Job needed a good dose of the greatness of God. Need to be reminded of the greatness of God. Do we need to be reminded sometimes of the greatness of God? Do we need to be reminded that maybe we need to sail just for a brief period of time, stop and reflect of all the good that we've been blessed with? You're looking at me, but more importantly, he's looking at you. When you understand the marvelous grace that he has just poured down on you, and he's pouring down on you right now, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know he knows. I don't know what it might be that you need to let him have more of, but I pray that you do that. He does great things which he cannot comprehend in that first section, one through five. This is a repetition of Elihu's theme that Job had transgressed the line that separates God and man, and that Job presumed to know more than he could or should know from God In this, Elihu was partially correct. Sometimes, do you ever feel that way? 
Maybe you're asking God for stuff that you don't need to know. Sometimes I don't know if you could handle it, but God knows exactly what you can and can't handle. And sometimes instead of questioning God and saying, Lord, I need to know an answer about this. It's like I need to get to, a, I need to get to an important meeting. But on the way to the meeting, I'm driving down the road, and everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. The slow drivers get in front of you. You can't pass. You can't do anything. And you're just frustrated. You say, Lord, it's taken me an hour to drive 10 miles. Five miles. Two miles. A mile. Traffic completely stopped. And then finally you find out that if you had been at that spot, you'd be dead. Because there was a bad accident. See, what I'm saying is sometimes I think we question God's appointment calendar. And we say, but we got busy things to do. But if he can get your attention, you will realize that was a divine moment. He says to the snow in verses 6 through 13, for he says to the snow. He talks to the snow? He does. He has a breath that just makes the snow. You ever been in the snow where it's just pitter-patters down? It's like, a, it's like an apron that just falls upon you. And then it's just like a, you see the sunlight or the the, the, the lights or the moonlight off the snow. And then you see a deer trickle in the background. And you see, I mean, it, it just makes you really understand the simplicity of things, but the complexity of things at the same time. And he controls both. He controls the very breath you breathe, the blood that pumps through your veins, the very fact that I'm looking like a scary person right now. He controls it all. And he's so beautiful in doing it. When we humbly come before him and we get on our knees and we pray, Lord, just let me close to you. He's saying, I'm already there, Paul. Sometimes we struggle with life and we don't really have to. He wants to take that burden and he wants to turn it into a blessing. And I understand some burdens are just so hard to get rid of, Paul. I understand that. He seals the hand of every man that all men may know his work. He seals the hand. He doesn't want you to know everything. The ideal is that when God sends the snow and the cold, the farmer cannot do his work. Think about this from a farmer's perspective for a minute. If he makes it snow in the wintertime and so forth, a farmer cannot get out and raise a crop. 
He has to rest. You know why I ask him to rest? Because in Job 37, it tell us that that way you're going to give attention to the Lord for your beautiful, bountiful crop that maybe you had. Get my point? This is your, this is your worship time. This is when, when farmers are in the field, and Dan will tell you, because he goes back to Kansas to help his friends sometime in harvest time. When that harvest time happens, you got to get the stuff out of the field quickly. you got to get as many people that are volunteer to go help do it. Because you know what? If you wait just a few extra days and the rain comes, all our, our, one, of the, one of the things I used to just cry for my friends back in a little town in Missouri when I was an insurance agent, I had a lot of farmers. They'd get a beautiful crop, and then all of a sudden a hailstorm would come and knock the whole crop down. And there was nothing they could do. It would be ready for harvest. But they waited an extra couple of days. They couldn't get no field because of the wet field. It's disheartening. He seals the hand of every man. To, to, to get their, his, their attention, to give him the glory he deserves. Do it, guys, do it. Give God glory, even if you feel like you can't. And I guarantee you, he'll knock your socks off. Wow. Going down in the uh, latter part of 13. Uh, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them. Elihu wanted Job to not only appreciate the greatness of God, but also the submission of creation. The implication was that unrepentant Job, see everybody's still trying to say Job's got sin in his life, right? Job should submit to God the way his creation does. In many ways, a storm serves as an ideal metaphor for the spiritual problems in Job. For while a storm presents all the outward appearances of chaos, of nature run amok, Still throughout it all, we know that the Creator remains in absolute control of every detail. That's uh, by Mason. Verses 14 through 18. Listen to you, oh this. Listen to this, oh Job. Young Elihu again appealed to Job in a very direct and personal way, more personal than the three other friends of Job had. So in one instance, in one essence, he did appeal to Job. He was trying, you know how sometimes when you criticize somebody for something because you think you're doing the right thing? See, as, as believers, we can go up to another struggling believer and we can possibly give them the wrong dose. Because we have advice, right? That advice has to be timely. And if it's not at the right time, it can be taken as a real pouring salt in the womb type thing. So we have to be real careful, right? Young Elihu again appeals to Job. So I guess it's like a, a continuous saga, isn't it? It's like, okay, you better hurt and get your talking done because another chapter here, dude, you're going to have to be talking to the big man. 
right? So going down just a little bit, and in, in, uh, I think this must be around 17, it says, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Stand still. My wife says I can't stand still for a few seconds. So um, I, I'm, 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 I'm getting better, though. I just have to tell you a real quick story. So we both picked up golf lessons. She's a better student. I'm a bad student. This is the way I hit. So I get position, right? Get the club, I go like this. You know, I'm not, okay. So the instructor says this. This is what he says. He says, slow down. That's what God tells me too. And when I slow down, guess what I do? And it goes where it's supposed to go. And when I slow down with him, he just gently, just just wipes off all of my chaos away for a moment. I see through the smoke, see through the cloud, and I see him as if he was face to face with me. There's been a lot of prayer for this man right here. My dying days of my mother, she never stopped praying. She had a list about a mile long. If you ever want to develop relationships with somebody, Pastor Mike Rizzi, he carries a little list of people in his billfold. No, it's not a bad list. It's a piss. It's it's a, it's a it's a list of list and pieces kind of yeah. yeah. So it's a list of people that he has relationships with, that he keeps accountability with, that he calls, that he encourages, that he builds rapport with, that he, he, he dines with them. He, he cares about them. You know how beautiful that is? To take time out of his busy schedule? I'm encouraging you, it takes one person at a time to build that with. And then you add another one on as you feel like you can juggle. But he's good about reaching out, checking on me. Yeah, sometimes it's not too pretty. There's a little bit of accountability, right? I know Mark and Nick have that brotherly bond of, of connectivity that sometimes we need a kick in the shin. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something else then. So, going down to 19 real quick. 19. Teach us what we should say to him. Teach us what we should say to him. Here, Elihu confronted what he believed to be Job's arrogance in saying that man deserved an audience or a justification from God. Job, if you insist that God owes us an audience then please teach us what we should say to him. Interesting, huh? These chapters intensify the sense of the loneliness. First of all, I want to ask you a question. 
37 chapters into this thing, are you getting a little bit weary? Do you think Job was a little bit weary? I mean, I don't care how good a believer you are, there's got to be a little crinkle in your crumble. I mean, this guy's been kicked around. Basically, every, everything that he has stood for, what did God say that Job was? He was a righteous man. Yet, these friends, you got friends like Job had? I think we all do. These friends, he stands there silent and alone with none to sympathize with him. That ring a bell? None to enter into his perplexities, condemned as impious, heretical, and even blasphemous by the concordant voice of friends and bystanders, alike by his own generation, and by that which was growing up to take its place, yet enduring to the end. Guys, sometimes we want to be medicine for our friends. Sometimes we have good intentions. And I think that if you, if you would ask these people, they felt like they had good intentions. Yeah, they kind of missed the mark in a lot of area. Yet Job had it all, lost it all, but got it all back and more because he was a righteous man. You get, you, get, you get where I'm going from here? I mean, righteousness doesn't dip a dip a dip a do and then get back up and go again. It goes, he was consistent. And I like the fact that Job, yeah, it's a hard book to go through, but I think we all have Job's in our life. We have, or maybe we feel like we're a Job at times. And maybe we feel like nobody really ever has it as bad as I'm going through right now. I can tell you this, pain is pain. And my pain or your pain is, it's worse than anybody else's pain when, it's, when we're going through pain. And I don't want to discount that at all. And I know several people in this room that are in a lot of pain right now. But they don't give up. I would consider them righteous living. Because I know them, and I know that they put their pants on and their shirt on and their shoes on the same way I do. Yeah, it may be a struggle, but I pray. But I, but I, I think that it's important for us to know, no matter what difficulty we go through, don't feel like you're alone. In fact, don't close yourself off. My wife and I got to visit a couple over the weekend. We consider them good friends. But it's so hard to minister to them. She has Alzheimer's. 
he has Parkinson's. But what is it? Not Alzheimer's, what is it? MS? Oh, MS for her. I mean, there are difficulties to the point that they don't include anybody else in their pain. And the sad thing is, is I want to just wrap my arms around him and say, Jesus loves you, and so do I. In the story of Job 2, the Lord has apparently been sound asleep until now. <laughs> I like the fact that this, the, the Mason says this. He goes, yep, Lord's been asleep, but now he's fixing to talk. Uh, you know what? When the Lord wakes up, if he's been asleep and you've not been hearing him lately, be careful. The thunder might take off. The lightning might hit close. The, you name it. Peacefully curled up in the stern of a boat. That's where Jesus is right now, if you're going through it. While Job had been struggling all along with the wind and the waves. In the case of Job, he let the storm rage for 37 chapters. Until finally, he calmed not the storm itself. He calmed this. Job's heart. Verse 24, I got another comment, and I know it's time to quit. God is righteous. He's a righteous judge. Shows no partiality. He's fair. 50% of the time? 75% of the time? No, every time. He's a righteous judge who will not take a bribe or perform favors in judgment. Thus, in his concluding speech, Elihu has pointed both Job and the reader up to God, who was ready at last to speak. Job 38.1. I'm going to steal some thunder from Pastor Michael. 38.1 says this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? What is that, Kurt? I said, oops. Oops. So, I don't know about you, but I've come from, I've kind of come through a sort of battles through Job. I haven't been here for every 37, all 37 chapters. And I wonder sometimes, the times I wasn't here, did God kick me a little extra just to get my attention? I'm not saying you're supposed to be here every week. What I'm saying is, sometimes God speaks when you're not here. To remind you, when you are here, how much he loves you. He loves you so much. That he has a plan for you. I love you. Not near as much as he does. I'll fail you. But I'm going to get back up and I'm going to come over and I'm going to give you a hug. Some of the best advice I've ever gotten is some, from some people who love me that much. They told me that 
you're a strange character, Paul. My wife said that too. I said, you've been talking to my wife? The best, best compliment I ever got in my life was a man came to me and said, I may have been wrong about you, Paul. I see you walking with the Lord. You just had to prove yourself. Sometimes we just have to prove ourselves. Sometimes we have to go through the storm. Sometimes we have a lot of growing up to do. Sometimes we just have to say, Lord, send me. I'm ready to go. No, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. And sometimes we have to accept that. And then sometimes he'll kick us in the butt and says, oh, excuse me, I wasn't supposed to say that. Kick us in the rear and send us on our way. You have to be listening to do that. And if you're listening, guess what's going to happen? He's going to send you. Let's all pray. Whew. Lord, you are so good. You're so good to us that you sent your one and only son to give us the example we should live by. You, that, that one and only son was only here just a short period of time. But in that short period of time, gave us the way to live our lives, the way to depend on you for everything in all circumstances, not just when we feel like it, not when we just, when it's convenient. But with every breath we breathe, let us praise the Lord. I just love you so much, Father. I ask that you be with this congregation. You bless them. You give them leadership, guidance, direction, everything they need, Lord. We just ask that you just envelop them with your wisdom and your comfort and your blessings so that they know that you're there in the midst of their storm, Lord, so that they can come through it. And they got a story to tell so that everybody knows about how they got through it, and they give all glory, honor, and praise to you. And we're going to say thank you in the name of Jesus. All of God's children said...